You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Mr. Dinamins, uh, we are joined uh, by, yes, uh, our very own uh, Muhammad Ayaz Karima. But uh, before I get to him, let me welcome uh, you and Muhammad Ayaz Karima with a hearty Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, Muhammad Ayaz Karim, great to have you on the segment uh, Travel Express. Tell me, how are you doing this fine, uh, beautiful evening? Wa alaikum salam. Shukar, Akashwat. I'm doing well, as well as what can be right now with the state of our country. But inshallah, we will be okay. We just have to be resilient and have faith in Allah. That is absolutely brilliant. And you couldn't uh, say it better. And, you know, maybe these uh, t- trying and testing conditions make our faith even stronger and more implicit in our maker, our creator, and our sustainer. Yes, sir, Muhammad Ayaz Karim. The cold, is it dissipating or is it still cold like how it was? So it's very up and down. Like you, obviously, it's you get the, those moments of extreme freezing, but it uh, it is uh, mitigated slightly by, we have the sun for those couple of hours in the day, which makes it a lot more bearable. But I mean, I have to admit, it is still quite cold. I admit it too, but Alhamdulillah, you know, the case that then weather is uh, different, you know, it fluctuates from cold to chilly and chilly to cold and hot and to very hot. And then, uh, I don't know, in your part of the world, uh, but this part of the world, the mosquitoes are going rampant. How's it that side by you? Honestly, you know, I, I have a, such a huge problem with mosquitoes and I haven't experienced any, but it's winter. It's not uh, usual. In winter. I think the difference is uh, Johannesburg is a uh, much drier climate compared to KwaZulu-Natal, which is very humid, you know, and I think that humidity uh, tends to draw the mosquitoes even more. So, but yeah, I haven't, ha- I haven't, exp- I can't remember the last time I've even seen a mosquito. <laughs> Yeah, with you, like, uh, you know, uh, people have uh, repellents, they use the doom, and some will use the, uh, the net, some use the coil, and, uh, you know, others will use uh, lotions on them and so forth. What do you use uh, to uh, repel these uh, mosquitoes? You know, to be honest, when we have uh, a lot of mosquitoes, I try everything, but nine out of ten times, nothing works. But the thing that uh, I probably use most frequently is, uh, you know, that, Thing called peaceful sleep. It's this, uh, but not the the roll on the spray. So I spray it on myself, and but uh, like I said, uh, if they are mosquitoes, nothing is really going to help me because they love my blood. <laughs> hey, this guy's a sweet guy, people. Muhammad Ayaz is so sweet. I must get some. Wait, Muhammad Ayaz. How they go? <laughs> and you know from that's probably yeah. the worst part about them. The bites you can handle, but it's that annoyance of that buzzing in your ear the whole night. That's what drives me crazy. Yeah, me too. I mean, they'll come over and over. You take the pillow and you hit them with that. You throw this and you throw that, and eventually you even hit the doom on them. I don't know. They become so immune to things like that. But uh, moving on with our topics. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to a brother the other day. After, you know, uh, the, uh, what was it? it was the Isha uh, Salah. And he said, you know, uh, Brother Shaf, I really enjoy that young man you have on uh, Travel Express. I said, yeah. He said, which part you enjoyed? He reckoned that one made when you made ulti in India on that man. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, what? He said, yeah, man, how they made the ulti there and he cleaned it up and all that. I said, yeah. I know, I, yeah. Is that is I'm still I'm actually very glad that people are listening are like are tuning in and enjoying it because that's I think our main goal is always to add value to the listener and to keep them entertained. You know that's the beauty of it. I mean, I, when I meet people, they always commenting and saying this and that, and uh, you know we know for a fact that our effort is not in vain. 
And uh, mashallah, you know, on Marqa Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, uh, they have quite a sizable listenership, you know, especially in our Dorpies. I mean, I'm amazed at the amount of people that listen. And if they get to know you, if you're walking, you're in a function, and you say, oh, I'm Muhammad Ayaz. Oh, yes, we heard you. And oh, yeah, you also do this, that production. Allah bless you, Allah keep you. But there's more to come, Muhammad Ayaz. Uh, this first bait and Munda. Yeah, first time, eh? I mean, yeah, no, definitely. You know, yeah. everything in Allah's time. Inshallah, it will come. And when it comes, when Allah gives, He gives you in boons, He gives you in waves, He gives you in uh, like a tsunami. You say, hey, Allah said, there's it, my son. You have it. Well, we're looking at our topics here. Now, let's start off with this. Why is it essential for travelers to consider purchasing travel insurance from, uh, you know, from the start of their travel plans? I mean, that's, uh, you know, today's uh, world, how those are skeeting, they're stealing and doing this and that. Fill us in, Muhammad Ayaz. That's the thing. Travel insurance is actually essential because it provides you uh, with protection and assistance in unexpected situations right during your journey. So whether you're booking your travel online or through a travel agent, uh, having adequate insurance and coverage safeguards you from financial losses, and it also offers you support in challenging scenarios. So it covers incidents like uh, journey cancellations due to sudden illness or accidents or emergencies, theft of documents, or even visa denials or processing delays. Uh, moreover, travel insurance may be necessary for visa applications for certain countries. So ensuring that you're well prepared for any travel-related issues, this is probably the best way to do that. Uh, because in, with travel insurance, all your bases are covered, essentially. Well, you heard that, people. Yeah, your bases are covered, essentially. And, uh, you know, can you explain that the various scenarios of where, you know, travel insurance provides crucial protection prior to travel dates? Look, it, uh, travel insurance offers protection not only during your journey, but also before it actually begins. So a crucial scenario is uh, journey cancellation due to unforeseen emergencies or events, or like we've experienced uh, COVID-19, you know, uh, things like that kind of halted travel in every direction. So if you need to cancel your trip before departure, your insurance can actually cover the non-refundable portion of your trip, uh, providing that it falls under the specific policies cancellation cover. So this could be uh, due to maybe illness or an accident, uh, some sort of theft, uh, a terrorist incidents at your destination, or any sort of traumatic experience. Additionally, some uh, insurance products offer cover for unspecified events. So if you purchase your policy within 48 hours of paying for your trip, so if you have travel insurance from the beginning, it ensures that you're covered for any situation. Yes, sir, Muhammad Ayaz, you know, in the light of the recent uh, violent uh, protest in Cape Town, what precautions uh, should the UK uh, residents uh, take when considering traveling uh, to the mother city, to our mother city, rated as one of the five most beautiful places on earth? Hey, I can't it's believe a, it's, it. It's, it's actually crazy because like we were voted, uh, by, uh, it was, we were voted the number one country in the world by a UK publication. It was just about a week ago, I think. But I mean, considering this uh, recent wave of protests in Cape Town, look, UK residents planning to travel could ex need to exercise caution and obviously stay updated on the current situation. Uh, before departure, they need to monitor uh, official travel advisories and alerts issued by the UK government. Uh, additionally, travelers should research the areas that they actually plan to visit in Cape Town and avoid the locations that are currently affected by the protests. 
Uh, it's wise to stay in accommodation with good security measures and to use reputable transportation. Uh, but look, keeping emergency contact information handy and registering with the nearest British embassy or consulate is also uh, quite beneficial for foreigners. So if you take these precautions and you stay informed, then I think it'll be easy to mitigate any potential risks and ensure that you have a safe experience in Cape Town. You know, something I notice about European tourists, uh, they're very brave. They try anything, uh, they're going to dangerous areas, and, uh, you know, they actually tempt fate, F-A-T-E. What's your thoughts? I mean, I feel like, I, I feel like that's a bit of a generalization. I don't think it's like, uh, like, I, I can't think of a, an example of a situation where I've experienced where I can actually make a fair judgment. But I think... Uh, uh, a large part of the the reason you may feel that way is because I think with uh, with uh, Europeans or Americans, they have the sense of uh, superiority associated with them and their currency. So I think that sense of that superiority complex that they tend to possess uh, gives them this false sense of uh, security, which is which is silly. But I mean, you can't, uh, you know, the colonizer mindset is very hard to break. <laughs> Well, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, bungee jumping and uh, uh, scuba diving, getting very deep into the oceans and uh, uh, what else? Uh, climbing the uh, mountain, climbing, uh, paragliding and oh, name it. They'll do it. Even flying over the sharks and so forth. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Allahu uh, Alam. But as you said, uh, you know, they have that mentality. You know what? We are like a superior race that we can do anything. Now, you know, how can the South African government and uh, authorities address the security concerns uh, raised by uh, the uh, United Kingdom's uh, travel alert uh, if the South African government can do it? Look, uh, obviously, um, we, we, we've experienced this a lot, quite a lot recently where these uh, European countries are making these uh, alarming uh, alerts to their uh, their residents in our country, but I think um, that addressing the security concerns raised are, are important for our government to do, and I think they are currently doing that. Uh, so strengthening airport security is crucial. Uh, so is uh, alert highlighted concerns about the safety of travelers. Uh, I think implementing a dedicated security force to airports and had that been suggested by some experts, could enhance security measures and provide a sense of uh, reassurance, you know, for international travelers. Also, collaborating with law enforcement agencies and improving intelligence sharing can also help prevent potential threats and manage security situations. Um, also, for seeing, op- uh, like, fostering this open communication with the UK government, although, I mean, that, I mean, two minds about, because I don't understand why, these powers feel the need to constantly oversee uh, our government uh, protocols, but I mean this is just their way. So if it's gonna if it's gonna help with our tourism uh, industry and boost that, then I think it's worth uh, worth swallowing that pill. I think you need to choose your pick your battles, and in this case, I think it might be worth it. No, absolutely. And uh, you know, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine who's in the travel game, and he was telling me the other day. He says, you know. You know, Shafatha, when it comes to our country, it is so beautiful that, you know, you, we haven't toured it properly from one end to the other. You get so many different types of uh, uh, flavors of uh, South Africa that you won't get tired of it. And he says, you know what, we need to uh, conscientize, especially our Muslims, to go and uh, visit all these eco sites and uh, these lovely mountain ranges and so forth. But uh, I think uh, the Drakensberg is quite popular with our people, uh, Muhammad Ayas. 
No, definitely. It's a, it's a, I think it's a very popular uh, destination for a lot of uh, South Africans. So me personally, I think I've only, be, I've only been once, and I can't even honestly remember. It was so long ago. But uh, I know a lot of uh, my friends and a lot of family friends as well. They constantly seem to be going to Drakensburg. You talk about going uh, constantly to Drakensburg. But with me, you know, I'm quite afraid to go to Cape Town because whenever I say I'm D, that's editor, every house, there's a red, a red carpet or a green carpet thrown. Come and let's talk. And, you know, the elder generation will play. <laughs> they give me the whole story. And when D, that was here and we bought this Quran. And, you know, I gave one Juma lecture, Muhammad Ayaz. And I remember that I finished off, yeah, about maybe uh, half past two, uh, half past one. Hey, I only left the masjid at half past three because there's a so, whole, yeah, they're pulling me and they want to talk. And now they said, when are you coming again? But, you know, uh, with all that violence going there in what uh, Kairicha, Gugoleto, and hey, the taxi is going rampant. I think, uh, I don't know, KZN, what would you say? Who's worse, uh, KZN or Cape Town? Oh, no, KZN, I think. To be honest, I'm not being biased, but I'm basing it purely on, I just think, Unfortunately, KZN has had the worst, uh, they've had just the worst bout of luck over the last few years because I think they've really uh, gotten the most severe brunt from whatever has occurred, like talk of the looting, the flooding, uh, also the political assassinations. There's so many factors that have really uh, made life extremely difficult. And uh, even now, just uh, business, just conducting your day to day business dealings a lot more challenging for residents of KZN. So I really do uh, empathize. It can't be easy, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, we cocoon near the Indian Ocean and people say, hey, we'll dive into the Indian Ocean. You're between the devil and the deep blue sea. When you dive yeah. into the Indian Ocean, the sharks are waiting for you and you're running that end. Something else waiting for you. That's why I hold fast onto the hope, a rope of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Now, Muhammad Ayaza with the you know Cathay Pacific resuming direct flights between South Africa and Hong Kong. What are some of the exciting destinations and opportunities that you know South African travelers can explore beyond Hong Kong? Don't talk to me about King Kong. Uh, Look, with the resumption of these direct flights uh, by Cathay Pacific, South African travelers have like exciting opportunities to explore a wide range of destinations beyond Hong Kong. Hong Kong itself offers a, a vibrant mix of culture, shopping, culinary delights, making it a very attractive starting point. From there, uh, travelers can venture to other Asian destinations such as Thailand, Japan, and Singapore, which each offer their own unique experiences and rich cultural heritage, right? Additionally, you can explore Australia and New Zealand, which are easily accessible through Hong Kong. Um, whether it's the bustling streets of Tokyo, the tranquil beaches of Bali, or the stunning landscapes of New Zealand, the possibilities are, are endless and unforgettable adventures are available to you. And I mean, I can vouch for this. I've been to quite a few of these places, so like, it's definitely a holiday I would recommend. You know, you talked to me about Bali, and what I can remember is many years ago, the Bali bombing, and they were, you know, they're talking about terrorism there and all that. Uh, have you been to Bali? I was in Bali a week after the bombing. <laughs> wow. Talk to me, Mohammed Ayaz. Talk to me. I mean, you're an amazing, amazing gentleman. But look, it was, it, I feel like um, it's, the, I think uh, a lot of uh, the hype around these uh, resorts, sort of holidays, these beach destinations like Bali or Barbados or uh 
Maldives, it's based on the quality of the resort that you're going to be staying in, right? So it's like you've been to the beach once. I think you've been to the beach in your life. But I think uh, the experience comes down to what you're willing to pay for in a sense. Like for me personally, those are not my ideal kinds of holidays where you sit in a resort and sit at the pool the whole day. That's not my idea of a good holiday. I prefer um, bustling met- uh, metropolitan cities and just like strange, uh, different environments and different people and different food that uh, appeals more to me. But I mean, if you're somebody who maybe depending also on your age or where you are in your life, you want to just relax, take it easy, um, enjoy your money. Then I, then I would like, I would definitely recommend that sort of holiday. But I think at a certain point, it just be like, how much can you go to the beach or how much can you just relax? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. I get your drift there, Mohammed Ayaz. You know, talking about uh, Bali, uh, talk about the Maldives. Uh, you know something about Maldives? They do not have any, not even one fly in that island. <laughs> do you know? In, I've never heard that before, sure. Yeah, and they don't have a dog. There's no dogs on, uh, on, 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 in, in the Maldives island. Did you know that? Sure, I didn't. Look, I, I, I've, I've never been to the Maldives, but... Um, my my sister's been in the, they, the when they went there they everything that in the resort was halal. They said majority of the stuff in Maldives is actually halal, so that's also like a good thing to know that uh, we are catered for. In a, 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 a widely across the world, we are catered for as Muslims. You know what I'm saying? So it's great to see that uh, the world is becoming more like they are getting in line with the fact that Muslims are becoming a dominant uh, feature on the world stage. Yeah, Maldives is a 100% Muslim uh, island, 100%, not 99%, 100% Muslim. And Alhamdulillah, I, used, I met quite a few of them, uh, you know, as uh, 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 people on the merchant uh, navy or on, on ships that used to come into uh, Durban Harbour. And, you know, the Maldivians, I, I was very impressed with them because they're such gentle-natured, uh, uh, hard-working people that I remember a Greek captain telling me, you know, he said, Mr. Khan, uh, these guys are some of the finest seafarers you can have working on a on a merchant vessel because they are 100% honest, very hardworking, and you'll find them always a smile on the face. I mean, that's the feather in the cap, uh, Mohammed Ayas. You know, that's a, I, but I feel like that's a common thing that you will see with a lot of these immigrants, especially in the, these, this resort culture. Like, I've only, I've been to a resort in Mauritius, but majority of the workers are from um, either India or uh, Philippines, stuff like that. Uh, and they are the most hardworking, honest, like grateful and appreciative people that you find. You know what I'm saying? And it's unfortunate that um, there is this sense of Kalabar or like uh, social hierarchy, which is such nonsense that people tend to look down on them because they considered workers, but it's not. I think it's always important to judge somebody by their character and their actions instead of uh, their ethnicity or their lineage. You know what I'm saying? But that's uh, also like a, a de- like a, a flaw in our society currently. So, no, absolutely. I don't know what year computers came out that uh, two eight six or that one eight six. I don't know when it was. And I remember, you know, going on board and uh, doing some dawah work with a whole group of uh, Maldivians. And, uh, you know, when I finished off and then they looked at me, they said, do you have a computer? And I looked at them. I said, no, it's something new in our country. You know, um, I'm planning to get one. Guess what, Mohammed? they asked? Yeah. They, they gave me the state-of-the-art computer. They took it. They loaded it in my micro I said, hey, man, I'll get caught by the customs. 
They are so appreciative. It's such generous people. It's, it's shocking. With the printer, with everything. And at that time, you know, to have that, I was like, hey, look at this. But it was God sent. And, you know, uh, subsequently when you went on board and you met the Egyptians, I just see fearers, they have a heart of gold. And one guy said, okay, there's a whole Sony system for you. Take it, brother. It's from me to you. I said, no, brother, you must have paid. He said, Allah, for Allah's pleasure, I give you this. And, you know, I had so many wonderful moments. When you do the work of Allah, you know, you get uh, things from undreamed sources. Well, I don't overdream here. Let's talk about how does, that, uh, you know, Cathay Pacific's resumption of direct flights benefit the South African tourism industry and business travelers, uh, Muhammad Ayaz. Look, the resumption of direct flights is a significant boost to our tourism industry and business travel alike, right? For the tourism sector, it opens up uh, more convenient travel options for international visitors who wish to explore South Africa's diverse landscapes and experiences. Uh, The direct flights offer travelers a more seamless connection between Hong Kong and South Africa, making it easier for them to plan their trips. Uh, Business travelers are also benefiting from these direct connections as it enhances trade and investment opportunities between the two regions. So this improved connectivity can actually lead to more business collaboration and partnerships, fostering economic growth for both South Africa and Hong Kong. Uh, Moreover, these direct flights save time and they eliminate the need for layovers and they provide basically more uh, efficient and pleasant travel experiences for all passengers. Alhamdulillah, yes, uh, moving on and, you know, coming to our Kruger National Park, Paul Kruger, still a legend. I know what makes uh, Kruger National Park an attractive destination for digital nomads seeking a blend of work and play? Yeah, maybe the PlayStation 5 too. I don't know. (laughs) So Kruger Park actually offers very unique and uh, attractive experiences for digital nomads seeking this blend, right? Uh, Working from the heart of Africa, surrounded by these By breathtaking wilderness, it creates an inspiring and rejuvenating work environment. Uh, The Kruger Gate Hotel, uh, located along the Sabi River, it actually provides an excellent base for digital nomads to work amidst the untamed beauty of the park. Additionally, the opportunity uh, to tick off your traveling bucket list adventures are there, like open-air safaris. Uh, This will also add an uh, extra dimension to your work-life balance. And I think the power of nature also positively impacts well-being and your mental health, right? So I think the sense of the atmosphere of the Kruger Park is a refreshing escape from urban settings. um, And it's perfect for both productivity and relaxation. Yeah, you know, brings me to the next question. You know, how does embracing a digital nomad lifestyle benefit not only individuals, but also families seeking a dynamic work and travel experience, uh, Muhammad Ayaz? So look, I think there's uh, a couple of factors. But for individuals, it offers the freedom to work from anywhere, right? So that fosters a sense of independence and adventure. Uh, digital nomads can explore new places, experience different cultures, and it allows you to expand your horizons while you while you're still uh, staying productive in your career. Families also can benefit from this lifestyle as it allows them to embark on adventures together, and it creates lasting memories. So I think the flexibility of homeschooling and remote work, uh, children also have the ability to learn uh, unique environments and engage with different local communities. And this nurtures a sense of adventure and respect uh, for the world. The Kruger Park, with its family-friendly attractions and activities, serves as an ideal destination for families to enjoy safaris, uh, guided bushwalks, 
and a whole lot of immersive experiences, all while balancing work and leisure seamlessly. Alhamdulillah, you know, you know this is, uh, uh, you know, hijacking and we knew about that uh, Black September and so forth. But yeah, moving on and we can, you know, I want you to explain why the former pilot, Davy, Davy Sharon, is advocating for a dedicated security force for airports in light of the 1999 Kandahar hijack incident, uh, Mohammed Ayaz. So look, uh, David Sharan's advocacy for a dedicated security force stems from his personal experience during the uh, 1999 hijack incident, right? He highlights this uh, that at the time, the Amrista airport security was under the local police, and they were actually unable to handle the hijack situation effectively. So by the time a team of commandos was dispatched to control the situation, the hijackers had already taken the flight to Pakistan. Um Sharan believes that if there had been a dedicated security force uh, in place, then the situation could have been averted and the response to the hijacking could have actually been more prompt and efficient. So I think based on this harrowing experience, he has emphasized the need for specialized security forces dedicated solely to airport security to prevent these sort of incidents occurring in the future. Mm, and then, you know, the Bureau of uh, Civil Avi- uh, Aviation, uh, BCAS, uh, states uh, that there is already a dedicated force, the Central Industrial Security Force, CISF, uh, for airport security. What are the key differences between the uh, proposed airport security force, ASF, and the existing, uh, you know, uh, uh, CISF, uh, uh, Mohammed Ayat? I think, look, the key role actually lies in the scope of the responsibilities. Uh, The Central Industrial Security Force is a dedicated force responsible for security at various industrial establishments, including airports, right? Uh, They're well-equipped and they're well-trained to handle security situations and ensure safety at airports and other industrial sites. But on the other hand, uh, the proposed airport security force would be solely focused on security measures and emergency response specific to airports. So it would have a specialized approach tailored to unique security challenges faced by airports, including the need to prevent hijackings and respond swiftly to any sort of potential threats. Uh, I think the establishment of the ASF would signify a dedicated and uh, specialized force solely responsible for safeguarding the security and safety of the airport premises, passengers and aircrafts. So this would ensure a more targeted and comprehensive approach. I think that's the only main difference, yeah. Mm, You're talking about airports. So, you know, I know the Chinese are into airports, uh, building airports and harbors around the world. I believe uh, Turkey's airport is uh, something to look at, uh, you know, something to marvel at. Uh, The biggest airport on earth, uh, can it be that Dubai airport or is there bigger airports than that, uh, Mohammed Ayaz? So um, uh, when you said the biggest airport on earth, uh, the first thing I thought of was Dubai because I just assumed that it was. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if they are bigger. But I mean, if you know the Emiratis, they are very uh, proud of their infrastructure and growing, uh, you know, development. So yeah, they they uh, put a lot of effort and resources into it. So it makes sense that they are the biggest. Mm, and then you get that feeling at uh, Dubai Airport. There's a, like a jam pack. There's movement all the uh, time, you know, 24-7. Have you been uh, to the outskirts or the back of that airport where they have these caged people there, you know, that are leaving for Afghanistan and uh, the facilities are like uh, a B-grade, you know, not as uh, high or, 
or choice grade. I don't know. Have you been to those? You know, the, the, uh, Muhammad Ayaz. Uh, uh, luckily, I was I wasn't unfortunate enough to have to experience that. Uh, but I mean, look, I think it's a reality in uh, airports, and I, I think just uh, around the world, people tend to have this. Uh, countries tend to have this level of discrimination for different people depending on where you're from and where you're going. And there's always going to be a situation where, you know, you might be the target of some sort of racial bias or discrimination. So I can believe it because, I mean, we, the Arabs are not known, are, I mean, are pretty well known for their levels of racism as well. Well, I can tell you I experienced that firsthand, I, you know, because I, I went on to a humanitarian aid to Mogadishu. I think I told you about that. But then we also, when we, uh, you know, we were in Dubai and we also went down again, Djibouti and all these places, coming straight down and going to different places. And I happened to experience that, to see these Afghans and to see this uh, the security groups at that time going into Afghanistan. And I noticed how they were herded into place. The security was heavy on them. They treated them like, oh, like subhuman. But uh, that got me shocked. And uh, some of my comrades uh, told me, you know, chef, please cool it, cool it. This time they'll lock you up. <laughs> I had to just yeah, pull myself. You can never take that chance. I mean, I understand the standing up for, for what is right and just. But at the end of the day, if you're putting yourself in a situation where you're going to make, uh, where you're making your entire your own situation a lot more challenging mm-hmm. or putting your life in danger, it's just sometimes you need to like know when to. Yeah, like I said, you have to pick your battles. You know. No, as you said, they, they, yeah, they, uh, they can lock you and throw the keys away and no one will That's know it. about it. You're absolutely right. Um, Muhammad Ayaz, great chat with you. Perhaps your parting words uh, this evening. No, I mean, this was a, the, 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 I felt like today was uh, slightly different. We usually don't get so uh, into security and um, these like technical technicalities, but I think it's always um, important to share this information with listeners because you always need to be informed about what is actually occurring in the world and how you can safeguard yourself. So I think education is key. Always keep yourself informed. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, we inform the people. And uh, mashallah, with you on my other side, we play brilliant ping pong on air. Yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, the ping pong, the table tennis at a very high level. Muhammad Ayaz, you have a beautiful, lovely evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, sir, people, I really thank uh, Muhammad Ayaz. Uh, to, you know, he really makes it uh, such a pleasurable uh, segment. Travel Express. Yes, I'd like to thank Lukalo for great engineering. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming. From the team and I till we meet you again, we bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.